Welcome to the underground. Turn me up, bitch! My Little Underground with Peter A. Level 22, My Little Underground. I'm Peter A. Make sure you're subscribed on all podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. Tune in and anywhere else that you get podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Peter A. Radio and follow the show as well at MLUPod Twitter and Instagram. Got a special guest with me tonight. She goes by Evie Joy. Welcome. How you doing? Hi, Peter. I'm good. How are you? Very, very good. Uh, We're warm here. You know, it's really cold. And uh, (laughs) we have one thing in common already. We hate the winter. Yeah, oh my God. I hate it. it. Oh my gosh. It's so cold outside. Yeah. So um, (laughs) your new single, uh, Expiration Date. Love it. Thank you. I think it's it's great. It kind of travels uh, creatively. You know, it it starts out um, very uh, almost folkish and then it rocks out. And then you kind of flow a little bit, like a rapper would, which is very interesting. Thank Love you. Love it. Thank you. So uh, talk to me about this uh, ukulele rap that, yeah. you, that you say you're the founder of. Yeah, well, I, I'd like to think so. I'm okay. sure I, I'm not the first one, probably, but I'll do these songs, and they have like little sections where there's these rap breakdowns, yes. I like to think. So it's like... Uh, how could I give you an example of maybe a song that I've written before? So on your first album, you did that. Perf- you did that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. The flower song. That's kind mm-hmm. of like, it's just basically like say like you, it's the clever wordplay and yep. then the rhythmic, like putting it together. So like a rapper would do, but then I put it to a ukulele and there's melody at the same time. Yes. That's what's, how I would say it. What's interesting is I went on, um, I went on like a YouTube search of ukulele rap. Just to, you know, I'm just curious. <laughs> I like to see where things come from. Yeah. And there were a couple of guys that were doing that. They were really? doing like little ciphers oh, on cute. it. Oh, cute! Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's it's very it's interesting. It's just you know, they weren't very good, but that wasn't the point. I felt. I think it was just guys getting together, just yeah. having some fun. That's all it was. Yeah. But it was kind of cool. So, but you're like one of the first to do it like on on wax. Because I was looking and looking, and a couple of like famous rappers, like Chance the Rapper, would do it, and but I didn't hear a lot of people actually do it on a recording, like on an album. Yeah. So yeah. And it and a lot of it's comedy, and I haven't released those yet, but they'll be coming out soon. A lot more like comedic songs. Yeah. So you want to do a TED Talk on ukulele rap, right? Yeah, I would someday. Yeah, for sure. Are you working on it right now? Am I working on the talk? Oh, mm-hmm. I know what I would say. Oh, pretty okay. much. Yeah, I would just like, I guess I would have to put it together. But yeah, mm-hmm. if I had that opportunity, it wouldn't be hard to put together. It's yeah. uh, basically just on the process of it and how you would how you would come up with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> so what would be like, because uh, a lot of uh, TED Talks, they kind of have topic and like the direction of the focus of said topic. Like what yeah. would be your main focus when talking about uh, ukulele rap? I guess you're right. So I would need like, I guess I would need to come up with some sort of beneficial, but I think a lot of things in life kind of like go together. You like don't think that they all like tie together into other subjects and other things that you're going through in life, but they, they do apply. So I guess what it would start off with is how you write one of those songs, which is you take for me. And this is a lot with anybody. Like anytime you have like an idea, say like somebody was just talking to me the other day about how she wanted to come up with like a business name. And so she was like trying to figure it out and she couldn't think about it. And I said, well, what do you, you start off with like all the different things that it, that you think of when you think of this topic. So when I start off with a song that's going to be comedic, like say I have a song that I just came up with that's like about if you were to fall in love with a priest. Mm. So if say I then think of all of the words associated with priests, church, Catholicism, religion, I just make a huge list and that's my, that'll be what I pull from kind of when I'm writing it. So then, um, I'll basically then I'll try to come up with the form of the song. So like I want to talk about this in the beginning, maybe. And sometimes it doesn't work that way. Sometimes it just all kind of comes out. And that song, it did mostly just like kind of come on its own. But but then you'll piece from the words to like keep things interesting as you're going and to not overuse the same word and the same words. And then basically it becomes like a puzzle. And okay, so I didn't use this yet. And I really want to work that in. So this has to come right over here in this verse. And then this verse doesn't have enough of this. But and then 
then there's a rap breakdown in that song where I try to fit in all the other things. And then kind of like if you study the way humor is, not that you should study humor because that's kind of counterintuitive. But if you were to study humor, it's a lot about directing people in one direction and then and then slipping something in that they didn't necessarily expect. You expected it, but you're turning it on them. So they're getting a surprise. So a lot of comedy is is and the humor is just surprising the audience. So that's what I try to do with those songs is like surprising punchlines. So I turn a phrase and then I turn the next phrase and then I turn the next phrase. And it becomes like a puzzle for me. You sound like so. a rapper right now. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what I, how really? rappers come up with music. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Every time I hear rappers in interviews talk about, you know, their craft. Yeah. They kind of talk about piece, putting words together, word mm-hmm. associations. Mm-hmm. Like Eminem has said before, like I hate that there's no word that rhymes with orange, and yeah. you kind of, it's just kind of a, a puzzle, like putting pieces together, yeah. like you said. So, do you listen to rap proper? Oh yeah, okay. I love rap. Who do, you, who do you listen to? It depends, though. Like, but um. I listen. I grew up listening to Eminem. Like yeah. Eminem was my angry music, and I'd go to my room and I'd put on Eminem. And when I was mad at my mom, you know, and then I'd write my own raps. And I found one the other day, and oh, it's yeah? so bad. Like, and it's actually pretty mean. Like, I'm like, how dare you put me up into my room? And I don't even remember. I don't even know if it all fully. You can rhymes. curse and everything here, so don't worry about. <laughs> oh, okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, you motherfucking bitch. Like, I don't know. I was just like really pissed off at my mother at the time. I don't know. And it was so harsh. And I was like, wow, that's where it all started. <laughs> but, um, and then the other, who have I been listening to lately? There's one guy. Oh, he looks like a, I don't want to be stereotypical. Hold on. Is it Danny Brown? No. No. He is, um, he's amazing. Mm-hmm. And he, he says he does these freestyles. And he's um, incredible. And I'm trying to remember his name. And I'm totally blanking. You can, you can pull it up real quick. Can I pull it up? Yeah. Okay. Think of something else just in case. I don't want to be like, what? Okay, hold on. He looks like a he looks like a Jew. He looks like a. Hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry. I have no idea who would that be. He's a white guy and he's, he's got like guy. and he's so, uh, like rapper and he does improv freestyle. Post Malone? No. No. He doesn't really rap that much. Oh, wait. Oh, I'm seeing if he just pops up. Okay, now I'm just getting Jewish rappers. This is not what I was looking it's for It's not Asherov, is it? No. Oh, okay. No, but he's, like, <laughs> so worried. good. I'm going to think of his name later. What are some of his songs? Uh, I'm curious that's now. That's the thing. Now I'm, like, totally blanking on everything. Dude? Where's he from? I don't know. Oh, boy. I need to just move Who, on uh, to a different topic. Else? Anybody else? Anybody else that mm-hmm. I listen to all the time with their raps? Are you from New York originally? Um, no. So I grew up in um, in Connecticut, in Grizzle, Connecticut, on oh, a okay. farm. So I'm in the middle of nowhere. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm trying to think of Connecticut rappers. I don't know, you know any good Connecticut rappers. Gosh, I love Kendrick Lamar. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's I mean, come on. And then his untitled tracks, like, those are... Those are okay. You don't like them that much? No, I didn't say that. I didn't like Have them. Have you listened to untitled number six? They're, they're, they're good. Song. They're good songs, but I think, I think it's my issue with like uh, demos and stuff that hasn't been fully realized. You know what I mean? I like yeah. I like songs that are just fully, you know, mm-hmm. I, I fully uh, fully put together ideas that are put on an album. I can like, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah Mike's a big two. fan of, of the Untitled on I know, yeah. dude. I'm like upset. Section 80 is really good, and Tip Butterfly amazing stuff yeah um so you have a project where you want to teach the homeless right i would like to and my mother just keeps saying why are you crazy are you crazy how are you going to teach and it is it is dangerous definitely yeah but my thought was if i could get a bunch of ukuleles at a wholesale cost like very cheap and i could hand out the ukuleles with meal cards and socks because socks are like a huge thing that people don't realize um but then I could bring them and then I could have like one one day like maybe every other week or maybe every week if it didn't have to be me every week obviously in like a large public place like Union Square and if they could find a way to that it's just so difficult you know to coordinate and get everyone there but if they came to those meetings then they could learn to play the ukulele and then you would have something called like I would 
call it Strings for Change. That's a good name. And then they Trademark would... that right now. Instead of... Yeah, right, I should. And then they... And then they could play instead of, you know, jingling a cup or something. They would have, like, a method to bring them some money by performance. Mm. Um, but I know that's not always, that's probably not their first concern, you know? So it's, it, maybe it is, like, a little bit of an unrealistic goal, but I, I wish I could do it, you know? I feel like it would be, it would be pretty cool if Yo, it Yo, the meal card thing is, is a great idea. The meal card thing, definitely, you know? And yeah, so that yeah. way... You get. I'm sure they would try to sell the ukuleles, and on all the ukuleles, they would be a painted, kind of like logo. Yeah. I think so. They would probably. I don't know. But I thought maybe you could hand them out to everyone. Everyone could learn, and then that way they would slowly, if they kept up with the lessons. How silly is that? At the same time, but maybe it would give them something to look forward to. And of course, I would have like other things involved where there would be like information and different services if they needed help with different things and then it would just be all centered around the ukulele because I feel like that's the easiest instrument to learn if you had to learn besides I guess they could drum you know drumming is not yeah. that hard either but it's hard that don't get me wrong though. but you know that's a good idea I mean I think if I was a billionaire or a millionaire and I own like property yeah. I would invite like some homeless people to my property and teach if I was musically inclined teach them stuff and then like feed them exactly you know? give exactly. them a reason to come learn a few chords oh here's some lunch here's some yeah. dinner you know because you could learn many many songs by just learning like three chords yep really that's all they need to know and then they could do that and then they'd have just something to share with people so that people because you know you're not inclined to necessarily give money to someone just because of a sad story mm -hmm. um as much as if they're doing something and then you're like okay well you know like i'll give you like a dollar you know and that's how people are unfortunately but hard. yeah i mean because new york city is just uh everyone is, gets to point a to point b you yeah. know if you stop you're like stopping a whole train behind you of people walking. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, so uh, sometimes, you know, say if it's, you know, I have some extra money in my pocket and it's, it's not crowded. Hey, you know, I'll throw you a couple bucks if I have if I have it, you know. Um, but yeah, because New York City is so it's so fast paced and we're all moving from one place to another. You know, it's not like you ignore them. It's like you have to get on this train. You have to get on Because you have to go to the job that pays you so you can eat too. So they don't you know? have even enough time, you know, but if yeah. they were just playing music, I guess maybe that would be an incentive. People would just give them, even if it's just the same song, they're not going to see the same people, you know, that's exactly part of it is yeah. that there are different people coming and going. So I don't know. It's that's an idea. idea. I did no. share it with like people that were in the startup business and they like really liked it. But then I didn't end up staying working for that company. Mm -hmm. They kind of wanted to take it on. But I don't think they would do it on their own. But keep, I'll keep focusing. Yeah. yeah. I'm kind of scared to share new ideas with people because it they'll probably scary. take it. You know what I mean? I know. You're going to see a lot of those. I mean, I, you're going to see a lot of those, like, uh, maybe in like a year or two, you'll see homeless people walking around with ukuleles, and you're like, damn, that was my idea. You yeah, know? exactly. Mm -hmm. But the goal, is, the goal is not to make money, obviously. The goal isn't. Mm -hmm. No, of course, it's to help people. Yeah. That's like my main goal. But my, really, like, my ultimate goal is to make orphanages for children. When I get. If I get to the point, which I hope, and I, gosh darn it, I'm going for it. But if I get to the point where I get enough money, I want to make orphanages for children that are underprivileged because there's a huge opiate crisis in small towns now. I don't know if you guys know about it. Oh, yeah. Kids are getting, their parents are dying, like, and they have nowhere to go. The foster care system isn't equipped. There aren't enough homes. Kids are moving from home to home too, like, too quickly. They don't, it's messing up future generations. That's the root. That's the root of it. And it wouldn't just be orphanages. Uh, yep. And they'd have like education. Everyone would have, you know, I would just have the proper funding that it deserves. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's really messed up. The government's shut down now, and oh, all the right. money that we—that's uh, a whole nother. And thing. all the banks are like, "We're here to help our customers that are going through the government." But how long will that last? You know, like for how long are they willing to help? Yep. Everything's understaffed oh, now. No! Yeah, yep. Uh, the FDA is a little understaffed now. The IRS is a little understaffed now. So if you're trying to get your tax returns, um, oh, yeah. I have a feeling that it might be slowed down, that process. So I don't know. This whole thing is just crazy. Um, so you play a lot of uh, instruments, right? Banjo, piano, guitar. So right? I don't actually play the you banjo. Don't. I have a banjo at home. And if I take the top string off, I can play it. And I tune it a funky way. You okay. know? Then it's the same tuning as a ukulele. But... 
I play the piano, the guitar, um, the baritone, and the concert ukulele. And then my main instrument is my voice, I would say. Um, I like how you said that because I think um, vocals are very important to me. Like when I listen to a song, uh, I listen to all the instruments if there are instruments. But, you know, the vocals, what the vocals do is uh, it's very just as interesting as everything else. I studied yeah. opera, and it's so, it is an instrument. Like, people don't think that because many people, maybe they learn an instrument first and their voice accompanies it. But for me, I started singing. I was born singing. You know, like I was born humming is what the doctor said. And then I went through life, and that was what took me to need an instrument to accompany myself. Like, you can't rely on everybody else kind of in the music business. Like, sometimes, yes, but if you're going to play these shows, like, as time goes on, a show... People don't realize how hard the music business is, I think, but like shows are only like, say you get like $100 and that would be lucky. When you're first starting out, you know, you can't bring somebody else and split that if that's going to be your main source of income. You've got to learn to do everything so that you are your own income, you know, like. Yeah, you know what? What's interesting, um, you know, all, all the instruments that, you know, that you're tied to. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I've heard, I've read some like some press about you, uh, You've been described as a ukulele songstress, but you play a lot of different instruments. So you're very mm-hmm. interested in all these different things. Yes. Why attach yourself to the ukulele? That one is uh-huh. the easiest to travel with. And it's, um, I know now everybody's doing it, but that's what I started on mostly. Like I started on piano, of course, because that's what I had in the house. My dad played the pipe organ. So we had like two pipe organs in our loft. Um, which is ridiculous. Like, nobody even has one. Like, why two? And he's, like, built one of them, and the other one he bought and constructed. It was ridiculous. And then downstairs, he had a piano, you know? And then um, he bought me a ukulele. Like, I think it was... At this point, it must have been, like, a long time ago. How long did it stay on the website with Because I know I did the math there, but now I can't even... But either way, it was so many Mm -hmm. years ago, and then I just... That was the instrument that was easiest to carry to gigs and things, so... Yeah. And it's easy. Come on. Yep. And it sounds it sounds great too. Even yeah, when plugged happy. in. Yeah, it's yeah. such a happy instrument. It is a very happy instrument. Yeah. Um it's very it's very pleasant sounding and um it's it's simple in how it's built and how it yeah. sounds, but you know, I think you can get a lot a lot out of it. I think you know, I don't know if I can listen to something that's just ukulele. No, no. You know, that would be like not. That's why I have the baritone. So yeah. sometimes like in that way it has a deeper it sounds like a guitar and I always I'm hesitant to say this. I replace one of the strings, and it makes a huge difference in the sound. So it sounds yeah. like a small guitar as opposed to a toy. So there are different strings for ukuleles and guitars, and it sounds it makes it sound different. There's a different tuning that you can do that will make drastically change the sound. Oh, I didn't know but that. I don't want to give it away. Oh, okay, good, good. No, keep that to yourself. Uh, you know, uh, creative types. A lot types, of people know it. Yeah. A lot of people do know this. Okay, so. okay. Um, so yeah, you said you studied opera. Did that aid, the stuff that you learned from opera, opera, did that aid in the creation of your music or the creative a bug for making music? Yeah. How so? Well, in its own way. So, like, I started in a small town, and I grew up in church. So you get the fundamentals of hymns. You know, hymns are the most classic melody that there is. Everybody has to be able to latch on to that melody. And you learn hooks. I learn by absorption. I don't know about many people, but if I listen to something enough, then it just kind of goes into my head and I can kind of mold my own thoughts after it, which is kind of dangerous too, you know? But, um, so, like, as I grew up, I knew how to make good melody. My dad also does, but he's just discovering this, and he's in his 60s, and he'll, like, write little songs on, you know, and he'll be like, I came up with this. Can you believe I came up with this? You know, and it's, like, so cute. You know, like, oh, yeah. And so then I studied opera simply because that was the only teacher in our hometown was this washed up opera singer so that's what she called herself and she um was like not at that time she was not in the best of moods all the time but she, but she was the best teacher she was so fantastic and i haven't kept very good touch with her i definitely want to reach out to her more but now she's in like living life and like soaring i guess but um so I studied with her for a long time. Then I studied at a school, and it was opera. Was It teaches you breath support. That's the biggest thing, because you have to sing over an orchestra in a huge stadium, uh, not stadium, but um, concert, hall. concert hall, with no amplification necessarily. So you have to learn how to project your voice over an orchestra. 
that's huge. So like learning that with just your breath and the proper way of singing so you don't exhaust yourself over three to six hours if it's in Wagner opera is like incredible. And then obviously like you learn about the compositions and you have to learn. Basically it was just like a lot of hard work and learning to apply yourself. Because being an opera singer was the hardest thing. If you are given a score of music that's like how many, like 300 pages long, and you have to go through each one and write out what's called the IPA for each word. So say it's all in Italian. You have to write out not only the translation, but also how to pronounce each word. That's just standard practice. You write the IPA above it. And then underneath, you would write what you're thinking. You know, like, what does this actually mean to me? What's the translation? So that way, you're thinking, like, all these things as you're performing. And then you have to write in all your breath marks. And it's all about the process, you know? Like, it's it's extremely challenging because you have to be able to remember. And it's this yeah, it's really quite the process. What's uh, what's IPA? Phonetics? Uh, yeah, International Phonetic Alphabet. Mm, okay, so you have to... so For um, different languages, mm. you have to be able to pronounce them all. And there's mm. IPA sometimes written in on oh. certain scores. You know, like you can see the way that people would pronounce it. But in college, you would have to write it all out. You know? So you went to a music school? Yes. School and opera? Okay, what school? I started off at SUNY Purchase. Oh, okay. Um... And I don't always tell people this, but they would not allow me to write my own songs. They told me, what? They told me I should not be, I was too unfocused. I was listening to other people in my lessons and they got angry with me and they said, you need to be more focused. And then I was, I, the way I got in there was because they told me I would be able to study other subjects if I wanted to. But at that time they said, once I was there, they were, it was bad. I did not have a very good experience and I had to leave. But, so I left and I didn't tell anybody I was leaving. I just left. And I got into, after I was in Italy, and people in Italy said, don't ever sing like that again. I know that this is super taboo to be saying this. But, and then I went down to, um, I got into Oklahoma City by just writing them every day. Everybody that I met in Italy that had gone there, they were now alumni. They wrote the people at OCU and um, the dean, and he, was, he let me in. I got in, I think, a month before school started into the school itself. And then two weeks before school started, I got into the music school, despite the, the person who at the time was working at the front desk saying, you're not going to get in. You know, we already let everybody in in November. And I was like, okay. So I was like, but I, I think I might be able to. I've been talking to people. Just can you give the CD to the dean? She was like annoyed with me for sending in the CD so many times. And I was terrible. Is that your audition? Yeah. Oh, I okay. was really not that good at this time because I was messed up. Like I... My teacher back in Purchase at my first school had told me, like, you are not, you can't do this. And she would make me cry in every lesson, and I felt like I was awful, honestly. And um, the way that when I was in Italy, was I, I was writing a song in a, one of the practice rooms, and people heard me outside. I didn't know that they were outside. And then they came in after the song, and they said, what was that? Did you write that? And I was like, yeah, I wrote that. And then they all wanted to help me get into OCU. And I told them my story, and they were like, you can't go back there. Um, that technique is just so I went down to OCU and I got in I got scholarship the day that school started no lie and I flew out two days later because someone had dropped out and that was the only way I could go and I remember my mom saying you, you have to make a decision now we're not paying for this other school um, and so I you know like I got a call within I think it was like 30 seconds to 2 minutes just ever saying that and I'm sitting there, and I didn't know what to do, and I was really depressed at the time, like super depressed. Like, I was so sad. We were getting my thyroid checked at the hospital when I got the call. Oh, wow. And we were walking out of the hospital, and she said, you have to make a decision now. I am not paying for two schools <laughs> or something. And she was just, like, upset. And then I got the call, and they said, someone dropped out. Uh, we have a place for you and a scholarship for you, and, and then I could afford to go. And full she, ride? It wasn't full ride. No, no, no. But it was enough for us to be able to take out loans and cover it over oh, time. Okay. Yeah. So what I don't understand is while you were in Purchase, when you were writing your own, your own songs and they were telling you you can't do that, what, what, was, what were you learning? Opera. They said just you opera? are just here for opera. You, to perform opera? We or? hear that you're writing your own songs, that you're doing things, collaborations with, with other songwriters. That's not what you're here for. That's not what you're here for. The walls have ears. You, you, you were told that? Yeah. No way. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. 
So they're teaching you just like the history of like how to sing opera, not how to like compose your own songs or. I wasn't there. Well, I wasn't composing opera songs. Uh I was composing pop songs. I'm just saying in general, like you were just learning. You're learning songs. Yeah. Okay. One class will be language. It was a fantastic program for Mm -hmm. opera. Let me get you right there. But the technique was, in my opinion, shit. And maybe it works for some people, but definitely didn't work for me. Too much tongue tension, Mm. basically. So then, um, I don't know. So you would have one class for training in the language, one class for the culture, I think. And then um, one class for learning the, the IPA, one class for singing the art songs. There were all these different classes that were all centric and they all went with each other. You would have like workshop classes. Everything was just for singing and learning the music and learning how to. So the first year is Italian, next year is French, next year is German. No, Italian, German, French. And then the last year was Russian if you choose to do so. Okay. So yeah. when you went to Oklahoma City, what were you doing there? I did a lot more dance. I switched over to music theater after mm. my first year. Yeah. And then from then on, I was writing these songs, and my teacher was so supportive of me, and he loved my music. He actually sang it for one of his recitals because he loved it so much. And it was a lullaby I wrote for a boy that the boy was actually very upset that I let this guy sing it but oh, i had wow. showed it to him it was a very good song um and so he sang it uh and then he was just supportive of me and by the end of the school the whole like the school whatever my, when i graduated i ended up doing more of a composition recital and i got away with it because i had a minor in composition even though i, I don't think i actually completed the minor but my teacher like supported me he was he's all over he's in nashville he's an amazing composer my other, my composition professor, and then my main teacher in music. I'm sure that gets confusing. <laughs> you, you, uh, you got a degree from Oklahoma City? Yeah. Okay, that's good. They were fantastic, though. Yeah. yeah. Tell me about the Johnny Mercer Foundation Award. What's that? So, I was a scholar. So, basically, um, there are, I think there were 10 people chosen, one of, but one of the 10 was uh, two sisters. That went, so they counted as one. And then all these different people from the United States came out, and um, we were chosen for our music, and we got to stay and work with these, like, really fantastic composers, and, and um, yeah, they were all composers. One of them was, one of them actually recently died, it's very sad, um, from cancer. I never got a chance to thank him, so it sucks. But um, there was one person who was a composer for The Color Purple, another person they were just all really renowned in their field and then we all got to workshop our songs and show the other people every day and it was so amazing like in getting that and you were so inspired and I still carry that inspiration it really changed my life because at that time I was like I don't know what I'm doing or why I'm still kind of doing this you know and then I went to that and it was amazing this is while you were in Oklahoma City uh that was after Oklahoma City actually after I'd been here for years right and then it was I went out there and it totally changed everything because I was working overnight for a long time with Apple I'm a, I'm a tech nerd kind of a genius and I worked at the fifth yeah no one knows I was at the fifth ab store and I worked overnight for 11 hour shifts and then I try to go and audition during the day but really what ended up happening was I tried to take on another job to kind of afford rent because it was a nightmare when I first moved here. And then slowly over time, I got kind of like my own clients. And now I just kind of freelance and do that sort of thing. But yeah, and more music now for sure. So you submitted your song to a panel of judges. And mm-hmm. it's basically like a It's like accepting a applications right now. So oh. I sent out to a bunch of people. I said, send in your stuff. And mm-hmm. Johnny Mercer is, of course, he's like one of the most famous, like more musical theater type songwriters and my music is slightly musical theater-esque when you get down to like the form many people have told me it's really kind of musical theater-esque which I don't really like to like I don't think that it, it definitely isn't now the newer stuff but yeah. um but yeah so a lot of people are kind of they go towards people who have a sort of musical theater like style to their writing to match Johnny Mercer and the most famous song that you would probably know is Moon River mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So you, 
It's like a songwriting competition. It's like a, no, it's just like a songwriting a week of collaboration, and oh. you do a big concert at the end. They oh, pay cool. for your flight, you stay for and your food, and you stay for room and board. They get they cover all that, and it's it's such a great time. So you get like a trophy and and what? No, Nothing? not about that. It's just about working on yourself. Oh, working on your music and having a week to just be with other people who are the best at their craft too, and just work all together. It's like a super workshop. Yeah. Oh. Okay. It's really cool. So tell me about your uh, the Apple stuff. You worked at the Apple store? Yeah. Oh, what did you do? Repairs and stuff like that? Yeah. Oh, okay. So many people. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did you ever code or anything like that? I do not code, no. Okay. That's the one thing that I don't think. So what's your expertise in tech? My expertise in tech is, it depends. A lot of software, hardware, I can fix anybody's computer. I can set up networks, you know. And then I also... Um, I have a lot of clients. I like teach them things. I'm really good at teaching and like different support type aspects. And then, yeah. And then helping people learn how to use their technology to like benefit them. So that's mostly what I do now. Because otherwise, I don't know how I would afford living just off of music. It's very, very, very No, hard. of course not. It's so hard. Yeah. Do you build website websites too? Mm -hmm. Oh, cool. You build your own? Mm hmm Oh, your site's really cool, though. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. That's What do you use? Like, do you, did you use Wix or I something like Wix, that? I use Wix, yeah. It's just the easiest to keep up with, honestly. It's yeah. very easy. Yeah. But it's so expensive to run a website. Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah. Yeah, I tried Definitely. to buy a site. And I have a domain name already, but I tried to apply to Wix, and it's like, that's a lot of money for a year. But I'm trying I to, know. like, watch where I spend money, you know? I know, um, I know. It's a lot to keep track of. Everything yeah. is so much. People don't even know, you know? There's a series on Nat Geo that's out now that I've been loving, um, yeah. Valley of the Boom. You know about that? Yeah. It's like a docu docu series about uh, the tech boom from Silicon Valley, 90s, 2000s. Really? Yeah. It's cool. really interesting. Oh, I'll definitely watch it. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to watch it later tonight. It's on that's at like cool. 9 o'clock. Yeah, I love oh, it. Oh, nice. You'll, it's so, it, especially you're a tech person. It's on Netflix? Oh, yeah. Not Netflix, uh, Nat Geo. It's on Nat Geo. Like yeah. on, it, oh, so they don't, they're not streaming anywhere except for on maybe their app. Right. I have no idea. Right. Yeah, I watch it on cable, but uh, it's it's really cool. It's so interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I want to talk about uh, expiration date again. So it's about uh, a breakup. Is that right? To yeah. a degree. All right. Um, about some of your songs. Um, would you focus on more uh, conceptually, your personal experiences, or would you like your songs to be more ambiguous? <laughs> I know they should they should kind of be ambiguous so that people can people can kind of like get their own meaning from it, right? And and attach it to their life. The best songs are sometimes they're intensely specific, but they're also ambiguous to the degree that anyone can associate with them. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Like I don't know, like Dreams by Fleetwood Mac. Like that's about her. She's upset with someone. And it has certain certain phrases that you know, like that was from something very specific. It's maybe it's the words that she chooses that are more specific than the actual contextual. You know what I mean? Like so, it's more about using very particular words and being like not so broad with your word choice. Because obviously, then you have a boring song that sounds like everybody else's. But keeping the scenario ambiguous enough that people can associate with it. But yeah, I definitely go off of my own things. So when I get like, it's my healing technique for sure. Mm -hmm. When I'm really upset or when I'm like, I've had like the worst time, I'll put, I'll write a song and then I'll maybe I'll play it a lot if I really need to get over whatever I'm feeling at the time. And then that's what helps me heal. And then once it's done, I don't necessarily want to ever look at it, listen to it, play it again, but I will. The comedy is different for sure. It's becoming different for me. I've been having a conversation with uh, with some people about you know songs and song meaning because a lot of people are like, oh, lyrics are important lyrics, especially in hip hop music. But for me, it's like you can have um, I guess lyrics are like not important anymore, which is upsetting. But yeah, I mean, it's, lyrics are, are are interesting. It's like for me, I don't really care if the song is about something specific or about some sort of you know uh, political meaning or whatever, as long as you're you're creative, you know what I'm. You know what I mean. Yeah. Like you don't have to talk about um, what's going on in the world today to be a good song. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Absolutely. Uh, I, I feel like I guess the first Foo Fighters album is a perfect example. A lot of the songs on there are just very out there, but 
how Dave writes the songs are very interesting. The words that he, he's using, I don't know what he's talking about exactly, but they kind of sound good. Yeah. Yeah. Like a song like, yeah, yeah, like For All the Cows. I have no idea what that song is about, but it sounds so good and it's put together so well. I guess people are just missing just the musical aspect of a song. I guess they're focused more on the meaning. So when you listen to music, do you look for um, hard-hitting concepts or just songwriting or just a little everything? It really depends. It's definitely a little of everything. I'm trying to think of the last few songs that I've loved you know, like, if it's got good words, like, you've got to be like, mm. you know, like, that's yeah. what takes your breath away. There was a recent song, though, that I just, like, kept listening to over and over, and it was definitely more about the melody and the composition of the song. And they didn't even choose that many words. I'm trying to remember, have you heard of Yeba? No. She is ridiculous. Her voice is unbelievable. Okay. She did this song, and, and someone wrote it. She didn't write it, and he's unbelievable. He's a jazz musician. He plays the piano. Um, and he, I, I'm blanking on his name, which is terrible, But because um, he's the one who wrote it. But the thing she does with her voice, that was so unique. It's the uniqueness of a song that, that will take you right, I think it is. Yeah, but, and that's, that's about like the creativity and the composition and not yeah. about what the song is actually about. Yeah, you know I what I'm saying? Love what it's about because me too. That's what made me just cry not all the time. Was that she's saying, "I know my day will come." She's like singing about how her day is yeah. going to come, and you're just like, "Oh yes, it is." You know, like thank you. Like right. it's like inspiration, and I. Just, but you don't know what she's talking about exactly. You don't know exactly what she's talking. That's about. That's what's interesting. I like yeah. subtlety in music. Yeah, you're you know? right. You yeah. can talk about a brick wall, but like, what are you really saying? That's what's interesting. I want to I want to decipher what you're talking about. Don't yeah. tell me what you're saying. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. Show, don't tell. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I'm I'm insanely specific sometimes when I write, and I always kind of wish I could be more ambiguous. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you have the opposite problem. I met a songwriter once that was so ambiguous and poetic in her writing that people were like, "Well, what the hell are you talking about?" And she sounded cool. Like that, that's yeah. what they all said. They were like, "You sound so amazing and so cool," but. We just don't know what your words mean. Yeah. You know, you know that rapper Aesop Rock? I feel like I do. So he's his music is so creative, but the music, the, his lyrics are just so out there. I have no idea what he's talking about. And that could be a plus or minus for some people. Right. But for me, I kind of pluck meaning out. Yeah. And if I ever meet him, I'll probably ask him, Did you mean this when Definitely. he said that? And I he'll probably that. be like, No, but I don't care because, like, you're kind of just um, yeah. making me think about your music. Not you're not telling me yeah. exactly what you're talking about. You, you know can I mean? never quite know. Even if mm-hmm. you tried to be insanely specific, it, it probably wouldn't be the best thing, you know. So like, you can never quite know as long as you really focus on the poetry of it. You can't really go wrong as long as you're expressing your own. It is. It is definitely a balance, you know. Like it's interesting to think of like how how your song will come out. Yeah, like uh, Kendrick Lamar, DNA. Yeah, you know what he's talking about. He's talking mm. about police brutality and stuff like yeah. that. But he's uh, he's he does it in a way where you pick up on the meaning, but yeah. it, it's creative how he goes about it. Yeah. But I don't think uh, every like uh, certain rappers get labeled things like conscious and etc. Mm-hmm. But I think just let your music speak for itself. Yeah. Let it be what it wants to be. You you all every artist has their own canvas. They could just throw it out there and people yeah. can make meaning of, of a dot of just a little yeah. dot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just make your dot interesting, I guess. That's so funny. Mm. So have you ever seen, uh, you probably have it, but Sunday in the park with George Stephen Sondheim. And he has no. this famous quote and I love it. It's whatever, anything you do, let it come from you. Then it will be new. So the whole, the whole thing is about George Seurat and how he painted these little dots. And at the time, this was not something no one did, right? So nobody painted with dots. But when you zoomed back, you saw the big picture. So the whole thing about that, that musical that I took from it was no matter what you do, if it's, if it's really you and it's your own essence of it and you're doing your own thing, then it will be you. Don't worry. Don't worry about where you're going. Just keep moving on. Like that's, yeah. that's another song and that's, it's just amazing. Like that message is really important. Yeah, like your expiration date, uh, you know, just listening to it, it's like, okay, I know what you're talking about, but you're kind of just, you're treading lightly with your meaning, if that makes any sense. That's why in the music video, I could apply it to politics, which I know is not necessarily a good thing to do. It definitely dated the music video, 
And who am I? I'm not the most political person either. I just felt like I was pissed, you know? And so it wasn't that I needed to mix it into my music, though. And I know that as a fact, like, and it definitely, it came back to bite me for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, there are people that I alienated, like Eminem alienated everybody by being anti-Trump. Um, you know, like, he half of his audience, you know? And then... So, and, and by choosing to do that, and, and right before we did it, they were like, are you sure you want to burn the manga hat? And I was like, we're burning the manga hat. You know, like, if I could do more, I would do more. But we can't, so that's what we're going to do. And I'm still so upset. Obviously, everybody is, but we're tired of it. So, you know, like, what are you going to do? But I know I could have been featured on a lot more places, and they just wouldn't take it because I, I wouldn't put the policy. Look, I That's think <laughs> if, you're, if you're just using, let's whatever. say if you, you're on Instagram or whatever, and you're saying how you feel about a certain thing. Yeah. That's fine. I think when you make an album, yeah. when you make music, yeah. that, at least to me, is supposed to be timeless. It so is. You it, can go back problem. 30 yeah. years from now and put that on like, wow, that this is still relevant now. Yeah. Um, just whatever you're talking about. If you're talking about a specific thing like Trump on your album, when you listen to it 10 years ago or 10 years later, you're going to be thinking, man, that's very 2016. And yeah, you know, I, I, don't, know. I don't want that. The at song least for itself me. isn't. That's why mm. the song itself isn't. But I, I decided to make a video that way. And it is something that I've like wondered, like, maybe I shouldn't have done that. You know, like, but you can't go back now. Like Kathy Griffin with the, with the decapitated Trump head? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that, that's something else. Um, so you recorded uh, Expiration Date uh, in Nashville. Right? Yes, I did. Yep. So, um, did you did you do just one song there, or I have three others that I haven't released yet. Okay, all right. Yeah. Is this going to be part of an album? Or I like EP? to release them as singles with videos because we're a very visual world now, entirely visual to the point where you release just audio, people are they're over it so fast. You can't kind Not of. Not me. I don't. I know. <laughs> well, yeah, I totally agree. But at this point in time, it's almost better to like accompany every audio you do with visual for marketing purposes. So, and when you're thinking about marketing, like so that video costs twelve thousand dollars, right? So when you think about, and it looks like a twenty thousand budget, you know, like, but I didn't have that. I designed it, you know, and I did it with other people close on my team, and we all worked together the best, you know, like I worked with the best people, and they put everything into it and we bought everything. We did the most guerrilla tactics like music video we could put together. And it and it was still that much money. And so you think about that, every song that you record is about fifteen hundred, right? So like if you're getting it done in a very high and that's that's very low, you know? So like it's nuts. And to be able to do that, you have to kind of do everything if you're independent on a on a kind of a schedule, you know, like quarterly or, you know, like every, and then you want to build up hype and you want to get press for it. And all that takes months and months of planning. So the, really the best thing, and all that takes money. So really the best thing, and then that's my, that's my plan. So like, I'd like to do the video and the audio. And, um, in that case, then I have to release them. Right. Can't be like, you know, you can't like, suddenly exhaust your budget and then be like, oh, how am I going to record more? Not that you can't record by yourself in, or, or in a very low-budget setting. Everybody can now. You know what I mean? Especially if you're going to work really hard on it. I just have a way that I do things. Like, that's definitely different than necessarily everyone else. So for me, I guess, this is definitely... And everything I say is definitely, obviously, just me. I don't know. I don't have the absolute truth. There, there, I think in music, there there is there is none. <laughs> Um, just make sure your music is good. I guess that's the yeah. one absolute truth. <laughs> yeah. But you said, okay, you spent 12 grand on the video, my right? Expression. Yeah. So me and Smiley, Michael are over here, right? Yeah. We had this conversation about music videos. And my argument was <laughs> um, the money you spend on making a music video, uh-huh. especially for an indie artist, yeah. you can use, that's studio time. Yeah. That's money for your website. That's money to yeah. press vinyl if you want to press vinyl. Yeah. That's money for gas if you're going to go on tour for your van. Right. You know what I mean? But if, you, if, you're, an, if you're a Rihanna type yeah. or a Beyonce type, make all the visual albums you want. Or right. visual, like Janelle Monae, the dirty computer thing. You know, Janelle but how Mon- are people going to get mm-hmm. necessarily your, your image? We're Wait, an extremely okay. visual culture right now. Oh, yeah. And you know what? I think for, for, uh, for indie artists, um, a lot of them, at least the ones that I know, they, they just they tour a lot. Or they have really right. good social media, really good social right. media presence. Yeah, for sure. That is your visual aspect in your music. But if you want to make music videos, great. That's awesome. Yeah. But I think if you're uh, an indie artist where 
music, uh, money in in your mm-hmm. craft doesn't come you know by so fast. Make sure you're you, you're executing that dollar as as oh, smarter sure. as smart as you can. But even yeah. in order to book shows, uh-huh. you have to have a product that you can show people, whether it's live video footage or whether it's something. And I'll tell you, booking the shows that I've been booking, so like starting from the beginning where I was playing for no money just to get my face out there. And then people didn't even want to book me then. You know, like people are like, uh, how are we going to know that you're going to bring out 60 people? I'm like, are you kidding me? To like wherever the fuck Massachusetts I'm supposed to bring out people? I don't know anybody there. You know, like I'll, I'll have friends there, you know, like. Mm-hmm. But if you have a video and you put that there and that looks really good, then they're like, oh, okay. And as time goes on, even with this video, I noticed like I'm able to book like shows that pay way more. I'm able to get into the college circuit now. So you have to, it's definitely a balance and it's definitely about how you market yourself. It's very challenging. Yeah, like you said, there's no absolute truth. Yeah. uh, Except your music being good. But (laughs) I think a very good modern example of of someone who who just kind of focuses on their craft. Yeah. Someone like like Ty Siegel. I don't know if you heard of him. But his, he puts out albums like, like two or three albums a year, probably. Wow. No social media. He has no social media. Um, And every time he comes to New York, he sells out. I saw him at Brooklyn Steel, sold out. The day I bought my ticket, right after, sold out. And he's a prolific dude. I'm like, how is this dude so prolific? And he's got no, he breaks all the rules. No social media. He just makes good music and he tours and he sells out. How does he he get the music out there? I don't know. I don't know. All I know is that when he drops an album, he has, um, I mean, his label, Drag City, uh, it's a pretty decent uh, indie label in Chicago. And they they do social media, but very little. Um, yeah. And they work with college, college radio a lot. And every time he drops a, a song, some site picks it up. Yeah. And I just don't. It, it's uncanny. He has he breaks all the rules. He has one. He had put one video on his website of him breaking a toilet with Steve Albini. That was it. What? That was it. He puts out one video like a year, one or two videos a year. He did one with he did an album with his wife. And um, he put out two videos for it, but he's not a he's not a social media guy. He just makes good music and he just tours forever, not forever, but he mm-hmm. tours and people come out. So I guess like we were saying, there's no right way or wrong way to do it. You your yeah. videos are great and yeah. just you're good at visual stuff and that's what's gonna make you you. You know, right? Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. So uh, I want to talk about your time in Nashville. Um, sure. So did you did you kind of pick up anything when you were out there? Did you did you see anything that um, about the town that uh, interests you at all? So I've always gone to Nashville to record. Oh, okay. Actually, so when I first went there, I went. Um, I think it was 2011. I had to be 2013. I don't know. It was somewhere in there, but I think my first album was released in 2013, which would mean that it was probably 2012 or the end of 11 when we recorded. So, um. But anyways, when I first went out there, we recorded three songs, and then ah, and then we went back for the for the other. No, did we go back for the other three, or did we do all seven? I don't know. Either way, I've been there like three or four times. Yeah. Okay. And that first album, I think I went into three, and then I went back into the other three, and then I came back into three new singles that I released each one as a single, and then I went back again, and I did these four, the three of which are not released yet. Um. And every time I go there, what you will take is one time I was recording in like a mansion studio under someone's house. It was like unbelievable. That's and I was awesome. like, what the heck is this? You would never know. You like go downstairs. Under and someone's there's house? soundproof rooms and everything was pristine and there were leather couches and, and a huge grand like Steinway piano. And I was like, wow, you know, like this is unbelievable. And then other times I've performed in people's attics. Or their basements. And you would be like, this is where I'm recording. You know, it's kind of like, really? One time the attic, I was like, this is, and they're like, oh, we're moving, but it doesn't really matter. And it didn't matter. It came out great. And then the, the other time when I was in the basement, yeah, that was a cool one because we just like smoked weed and like we were, <laughs> we were down there like having the best time burning incense and like maybe hey. getting into like the feel of everything. And man, some of those songs came out dope. You're gonna, you, you won't believe it. They are all so different. There too. They're, they're crazy. Tell me about your uh, direct vinyl session. Oh, with uh, Leaps of All? Yeah. That was fun. Yeah, 
I went in there and he was just like, all right, here we go. We're just going to dedicate each song. And each song I would be like, hi, Bob, Bobo, this is a song for you. I know you love the flower song, so here we go. And then I would just play the song and he would record it directly to the vinyl and then ship it out. Is there any copies left? Or are there I have one. You have one? I bought one. I recorded one for myself at the end and it was, it's called Happy. And that's one of the songs that I haven't released yet. That's awesome. I want to buy one. That's cool. <laughs> um, I think your stuff will sound great on vinyl. And, Thank you. Um, you know, and speaking of Nashville, have you been to uh, Third Band Records? Jack White's place? No. Yeah, it's like a it's a record store and a performance space. And he has a booth where you can just record direct to vinyl. Wow. Which I think is amazing. That's cool. Yeah, he had Neil Young do it on The Tonight Show uh, a couple oh. years ago. Yeah. Yeah, it was really, really cool. Yeah. Um, it like sounds like it was made in the '40s or something. It sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, what are your thoughts on like on vinyl and analog formats in general, especially nowadays? Hmm. Well, I mean, people don't really do them anymore. A lot of people don't have record players. It's kind of hard to sell vinyl. I know if you want to be honest, people are kind of like, mm, well, I don't have a record player, so why would I buy this? You know, like it's kind of like a a luxury item. At this point, even though it's like vintage, a vintage luxury item, there are a lot of those that are going to have to do. Yeah, but I would say a lot of people, a lot of people are, are buying vinyl again. Um, I think yeah. it's grown um, a couple mm-hmm. by a couple of million mm-hmm. since 2017. Mm-hmm. So definitely, I, to think of that in a digital age that people are still clamoring for analog sound, I think it's I think it's really cool. It's, you know? it's that clamoring for a connection. I think that we're all getting a little more distant and it comes out in different ways mm-hmm. but everybody really wants connection and that makes you feel more connected to the artist as opposed to behind the screen where everybody else can see it you're comp- you know, on this else. thing you're competing for space yeah you're competing for attention but on vinyl it's like that's all you got that's and you, you can't skip you can't skip Especially you're gonna live to vinyl that's a one-time take oh yeah yep. no, no one else ever will hear that except for you and who you show to all the mistakes are there yeah um, so you have records? I have, oh, myself? Do yeah, I have records? Do you collect records? Yes, I have like a couple in the back of my closet. One time I went to an estate sale mm-hmm. um, for someone who had died, and it turns out um, he was like one of the equivalents of Robin Williams in Good Morning Vietnam. Like their house was filled with records. I yeah. got like a Sound of Music album. I got one of the Beatles albums that he would play um, to the soldiers. I got like a hat, like a, one of his... Army hats, like I took it with me. I don't know what you call them. And then, like, everything was so cheap that I, I, I forget all the other ones that I have. One of them is Moon River for sure. I know that's on one of them. And then some opera, I think. I don't remember who it is. I think it might be actually an opera to like Dom Pasquale or something. I don't even know. But yeah, I don't I don't have a record player though. Those are actually the, the among the top selling records. The I forgot what musical. Really? Uh, the Greatest Showman, I think, is big on vinyl. Really? Yeah, and um, uh, one of the People Beatles albums. People like that musical. Yeah. It's uh, so funny. Mm-hmm. It's so funny. I guess it's because they're all so different, and they're, it's just the same old story told in a different way, but like, People yourself. like show tunes. Be yourself. And people love, I love show tunes. Yeah. I'm not a show tunes guy, but people love that stuff. I love them. Yeah. yeah. Um, so do you still sing songs in your phone on the subway? Oh, all the time. How did you know that? Uh, is, it, is it in one of my press interviews? It might have been. I think so. That's so funny. Yeah. I do that all the time. Mm-hmm. I do it all the time. They're on there. And I actually, today, I realized that two of them don't have sound. And I was very upset because that means that idea went to somebody else. Mm. I don't know where it is, but it's out in the ether now. And I don't remember what it was. Did you ever get airdropped, like a voicemail or something like that, of an audio recording? Or did you airdrop somebody? No, yeah, yeah. never. Uh-huh. So that's a good idea. That would oh, yeah. be so cute. That is a good idea. Send it to random people on the subway, like just airdrop random voice memos of songs. Of songs? Yeah. That would be really cute. <laughs> that would be very Hope interesting. Hope This Makes Your Day will be the title, and then it'll just be, oh, I love that. Great idea. But isn't that distracting, though? If you're recording to your phone, all the subway noise. I have beats. Stand clear of the closing I door. Hate, I hate okay. beats, but oh, no. It's just for me to remember the mm-hmm. idea. Okay. And then that way I can go home later and work on it. And lately I haven't had enough time, but yeah. And then I'll, I'll write it down in my phone in like a note somewhere. And I'll be like, oh, this was this idea. And it's basically this. And then I'll, I'll know, okay, later I gotta work on that. 
do you do it when it's okay do you do it when it's busy on the subway or just when it's like kind of quiet kind of weird but i do try to like escape if i have a good idea it's got to get down or it's gone you know what i mean like it's got to get onto the phone so whether that means that i'm gonna go be creepy in the corner and like try to like (laughs) (laughs) is that is is that how uh, expiration date came to be no, I was voice? home and okay. I was high and I was mad about oh! something and I was just like, I'm just gonna sing it out, you know? And I was mm. like singing and then yeah, that was that song just kind of like came out. It was good. It felt good. So uh, I want to talk about the Gotham Comedy Club. You wrote a song, uh, one of your sets, the short song. Yeah. Um, That's you There you go. Uh, <laughs> so in the future, are you gonna mix up your comedy and music together? Do you want to make a comedy do them album now? So okay. that's what I do in a live show. It really lends itself to a live show, so it keeps the audience engaged because they're like not sure what's gonna happen next. And my songs are honestly, they are equally good whether they're comedic or whether they're pop. So I could go in either direction. And I recently met Phil Niccolo, who's like a Grammy award-winning um, producer, record producer, and everything. And he said, keep doing what you're doing. And I was like, thank you. You know, I will. Because people have told me, you can't be both. PR companies have told me, what, are you, what are you thinking? Like, you can't possibly brand yourself as both. We just don't know how to brand you as both. Like, I've gotten this from all sides where they're like, well, how can you be both comedic and serious as an artist? And if you do the serious songs, you shouldn't include the comedy. That was another. I know with my video, they were like, you shouldn't have included such comedic aspects. Because now people didn't really get it. And that was so disappointing to me because for me, life is a mixture and you have to have the humor in order to get through. So from I, I always put it all out there. I am definitely continuing with the comedy because I have something different that people have never heard before. What, what are the biggest complaints about music today that people say? The, the, in general? Yeah. Boring. Or uh, people say everything sounds the same. Everything Everybody, sounds the same. But when you do something different, oh, you can't do that. Exactly. That, won't work. that is just I nonsense. Know. I was so upset. And then I realized, you know what, though? When I write a comedic song, it's an art for me. Like, I'm like, this is what I have to get to. And I want to make people laugh. And I want to, you know, like, I have a song right. I don't want to tell you. I'm afraid. Because now I'm on here. I, can I tell you? It's up to you. No, this is your time. Well, I already wrote the other ones, so mm-hmm. like, but basically, I don't know. So either way, I have all these songs that I'm sitting on that I'm working on slowly. Okay. And um, they're going to be good. I'm releasing some of the more comic ones, but the problem is then you risk offending people. And I don't care. Okay. I can't care anymore. Did you go after Jerry Seinfeld? I did. Yeah? But, and then I went, I, no, 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 he went before me. So technically he opened for me, and I ran out after him, and I said, Jerry, would you come and listen to my my song? It's just a quick set, five minutes. And he looks up at me from the stairwell like he's been caught, you know, like kind of scared. He's got his people on either side of him, and I know I am upsetting Jerry Seinfeld, which is the last thing I want to do, you know? Like, And I'm just like, but I was like, come on, you know, I just listened to you for 45 minutes on unannounced. You just showed up, you know? So, like, he just, like... Not today, honey. And booked it down the stairs, you know? And I was like, okay. And then I went out on stage. But, yeah. But yeah, he went before that, me. That's great. It's technically, he that's awesome. for me. Did you ever see that video of uh, Kesha trying to get a hug from Jerry? And he's like, no. No, thank you. Oh, yeah. She Hilarious. just wanted to hug him. She just wanted to hug him. Like, Jerry, I love you. Can I have a hug? He's like, no. No, thank you. He's no, thank you. a funny guy. He had <laughs> his hat great. on. He was like, wanted to go home. and like, Yep. Snuggle under his covers or something. I don't know. I felt bad. Who are some of your favorite stand-ups? Oh, Mitch Hedberg is my favorite. Mike Birbiglia. I just saw his one-man show. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you, I was filming a piece of it, and he caught me in it, and I wanted to die. I swear. I was like, I will literally throw myself the biggest the no-no in comedy. I can't believe I did that. I can't. At the time, there's this one part that's very visual, and I thought, I just want to get this picture so I can show my mom. You know, she doesn't understand. She's never really seen him. And, and then he says, don't film this. I see you. And I wanted to die. Like, right? And I was like, it wasn't worth it. It wasn't. And I should know. I am. I know. I've been there before. I've been on stage. I just interrupted his whole flow. And I thought that by the end of the show, he was going to call me out and, like, and say, by the way, you know, and, like, just go off. He didn't. 
very classy fellow, but if he did, I was ready to say, but I'm so sorry, I'll jump off if you want me to. I'll just hang myself by the lighting cables right here. I promise. I'm sorry. <laughs> he didn't throw you out, though. No. Okay. No, thank God. All right. Oh, man. Um, so, uh, you describe your comedy as politically, politically incorrect. Is that right? Yeah. Okay, so do you think that uh, comedian, especially nowadays, yeah. is is comedy funny if it's offensive only, or can you be funny without being offensive? Oh yeah, you can be funny without being offensive. I'm glad you said that because <laughs> I think there's this. John Mulaney. Okay. He's so he's so white bread. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I guess if I I don't mean to, he's not white bread, white bread, but he is. He's just funny for funny sake. Mm-hmm. You know, and the stuff he does with Nick Kroll, it's just so silly, you know? Yeah. And they just, like, take things that you normally see. And that's all comedy. He's just taking an observation and, and pointing it out. Ellen DeGeneres, she's not a, offensive, and her new comedy special looks very funny. Okay. You know? Yeah. I'm glad you think that. Yeah. Because, um, you know, I'm watching stuff like uh, Michelle Wolf, Rogue Jr., Hasan Minaj. They are very funny, but yeah. they're not obligatorily offensive. No, just, and I, that know? is one problem. I think people are a little bit too careful now, and they have to be. Mm-hmm. And I don't like that all the time. That makes me a little bit like, oh, you can't say anything new. Uh, yeah, but I think there's, you know, you can be, just be creative. You don't yeah. have to, like, be clean and not curse right. or whatever. Like, just be creative in how you do it. You Definitely. Know? That, that's all. Like, but no one's saying you can't. anything you say could really kind of, you could offend some group of people. But then then there's a problem. But there's certain things, yeah. like, you know, when it comes to, like, race and sexuality and stuff like sure. that. Those are kind of lines you have to walk. But if yeah. you're just saying, you know, it doesn't, it depends what the joke is. Yeah. You know? Because, yeah, you're right. Everybody's offended about everything. And you can't control that. So but, I'll yeah. give you an example. I have mm-hmm. a song that I wrote about when my boyfriend came out as gay to me and I didn't know that he was. Oh. And the song is all about that, like how he came out like mid-sex. And so it's funny, though. It's That's really funny. funny. And the whole song is not, it's not mean. And it's not, no. it's just saying, I hope a red sock gets thrown in with your wife. I hope you do drag and get a rip in your tights. Like the whole song is just okay. like little funny, like digs yeah. that you could give to almost anyone, you know, and people don't get offended by it. Mm-hmm. But if people hear it, they, they worry. Like certain college circuits have been like, you can't do this song. Just don't drop the F-bomb, that's all. No, the yeah. college circuit <laughs> said you can't do this song because mm. you might offend somebody. Because just the fact that you bring up the 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 whole thing about him being gay, you can't bring it up at all. Mm. So I can't do that song at all. And then the song about like if you were to fall in love with a priest, like it's not offensive to anyone except for there's there's a one line where I say, I don't want to give it away, but it says maybe it would be easier if I was an altar boy. Maybe then you would like <laughs> So that it's just funny though, it's not intended no, to no, be no, no. upsetting, like but regardless I can't do that song either, you know, yeah. because then that's that's my that's my uh, what I'm talking about, I guess but, so yeah. that's kind of frustrating sometimes because it's like, but alas, it's just an exercise to write okay. ones that I can do I mean, sometimes comedy is just a way for people to vent the ugly things that they're thinking that help you write I think it's hilarious, I know, like have you ever seen Bill Burr when he goes off on a tangent and he's like, and he takes you way too far. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking, Bill, you have gone too far. You cannot take the audience this far and you're being offensive now. And then he flips it and you're like, oh, I can't not agree with that. And, and it's so funny. That to me, that's like flexing people's the way they, they think. It's just like the originators of comedy. You know what I mean? Like they would, um, oh man, what's his name? Oh, man. And he would swear and he'd get kicked and thrown into jail. What are you talking about? That sounds like a lot of people. Oh, one, of the, one of the first people, he was like big into words and the words that he would use and he would get thrown into jail all the time. I'm totally blanking on it. I'm totally blanking on a lot of things. I've been like working constantly this weekend trying to get a bunch mm-hmm. of projects done. But regardless, because he, he was trying to like, comedy is also about changing your perspective and helping people see the perspective that we have been um, stuck in like we're accepting all these norms but why are we accepting them why can't we be a little more open thinking and by doing that it's also an exercise for your audience if you do it the right way so I think it's important I think comedy is not only important for the for the making people laugh and making people ease up and having the humor but like there is a darkness to comedy that you cannot ignore no. and that darkness is the reality and the harsh reality of life 
And the only way that we can maybe be a little more okay with that is if we are able to see different perspectives and be a little more open and well-rounded. Yeah. Do, do you do stand-up proper? Do I do you have sometimes, yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, working um, on that now. Okay, good, good. I would love yeah. to see a special from you uh, <laughs> sooner than later. Uh, Evie Joy, Level 22, My Little Underground, thank you for uh, coming out tonight. Uh, plug some of your shows that you got coming up. Oh, uh, this Thursday at Arlene's Grocery, January 24th at 8 p.m. with Jesse tomorrow. Um, and then next uh, Friday, so it will be February 1st, um, Bethel, a note kitchen and bar. I'll be playing there from 6 to 8 or 6.30 to 8.30. I'm not sure. You can check the new website. And then um, the next day, I think I have a So Far NYC show, So okay. Far Sounds. Cool. And that's the secret. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. awesome. Plug your website. EBIEJoyMusic.com and EBIEJoyMusic on all of the uh, platforms. I'm not very much better. I should be, though. That's it. Whatever. You got it, you got it. You don't got it, you don't got it. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Where can people follow you on uh, Instagram? Did you say that already? Yep, EVIE Joy okay. Music. Okay, all right. <laughs> okay, kind of perfect. Anything else. Everything is EVIE Joy Music. Any new music coming? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. There's a comedy song coming. I'm Yay. releasing two new covered just videos that I'll be doing. I'm recording them this week. And then um, we're working on a video for the next song that's going to be... Cool. I can't I wait to see myself. it. Evie Joy, Level 22, My Little Underground. Uh, it's Peter A. Follow the show, Twitter, Instagram, at MLUPod. And, of course, follow me, Peter A. Radio, on Twitter, Instagram. And make sure you're subscribed on Apple Music, Google Podcasts. Not Apple Music. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm out.